It's a beautiful song. You know, after Carrie Underwood, she, she won uh, American Idol there in 2005. And it was later in, in October, actually it was October 18, 2005, she released her first debut album. And off of that album, a, a single, Jesus Take the Wheel. And it quickly uh, rose to number one song and, and it remained there for six full weeks. It was one of those crossover songs that made it into the country charts, also made it into the contemporary Christian charts. I think it got all the way to number four. The song uh, won Grammy Awards. She, Carrie, she won for uh, Best Female Country Vocal Performance with that song. Best Country Song that year. It was the single of the year at the 20, 2005 Academy of Country Music Awards. You know, in 2012, uh, Carrie was being, she was asked about, you know, what, I mean, you've, you've made it. You know, you've you won American Idol, now you've got these, all these number one hits. How do you want to be remembered? And she's like, man, I want to be remembered for, maybe for a, a song. And maybe even this very song. She said, you know, and I, w- I would want to pick a, an important song Something that somebody can hear and it would make them feel better and help them through an important time or a tough time in, in their life. Maybe that's why this song became so, so popular there in the early 2000s. It connected with people. We all go through difficult times. We, we have struggles. We have roads that we're on. Maybe it's even... a like the girl in this in the song, she, you know, it's, a, it's an event, a life-changing kind of event, something that we we can identify with. Let me ask you this morning: Have you faced have you faced a situation in life that was that was really heavy, heavy to carry, or maybe a an overwhelming circumstance that really shook your faith to the very core? Maybe you're in one of those life-altering situations right now, this morning. And you need the Lord to, like the song says, to save you from this road that you're on. Jesus, take the wheel. It's a song about surrender, a song about trust. But about 3,000 years ago, there was another song written about surrender and and trust. It's found in the book of, of Psalms, 150 songs collected for us to, to chew and to meditate upon and to sing and to reflect. The songwriter of this particular song finds himself in a very overwhelming and desperate situation. He's running from people that, that actually literally want to bring an end to his life. He's on the run. His circumstances have, have become very dire. His enemies are beginning to, to come in on him and to oppress him from every side. And as we'll see in this song, he makes a choice to, to let go and to trust God. You know, I believe there are some of you here this morning that, that need the message of this psalm. Maybe that song that was just sung, it parallels with this particular psalm we're going to look at today. 
For you today is a day to let go and to, and to truly trust God. You know, it's really a song that every one of us here need to be able to sing. Because the day will come when we, we will need to be able to sing the song of surrender, the song of trust. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles there, to turn to Psalm number 56. Psalm 56. You can find it real easy. It's almost right in the very middle of your Bible. Psalms, one of the larger books. It's the largest book in the Bible. 150 chapters, 150 different songs. Psalm 56. I do want us to read it in its entirety just so we can get the feel of of what the psalmist is experiencing and how he turns to the Lord. Psalm 56. It says, To the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths, a mictum of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Let me just pause right there. So this is just the, the introduction to the song. It's to the choir master, the director. So it's an individual or a corporate song. It's according to the dove of far off terebinths. Terebinths are trees. They used to make turpentine in those days. We don't know what this dove is. Maybe it's, it's a particular tune that this song would be sung to. We also don't know what a, what a mictum is. Maybe it's a type of music. Or maybe it's the accompaniment or some kind of song. But we do know it's written by David. And it's when the Philistines have seized him there in, the, in Gath, the, the city of Saul. Verse 1. David writes, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I will trust. I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape in wrath. Oh God, cast down the peoples, oh God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle or water skin. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to God. To you, O God, I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. You know, there are several categories of, of psalms. You can put them in various uh, buckets. There's a, there are songs of, of praise, songs of thanksgiving, 
There are royal songs or kingly songs. There are songs of wisdom. There are pilgrimage songs. There are songs of lament. Psalm 56 is one of these psalms of lament. In fact, of all the psalms, about a third of them are songs of lament. Now, lament is simply to cry out to God, to express in honest words your anguish, your pain, your fear, while at the same time moving to trust and hope because you know that God is unchanging in His faithfulness, His goodness and love. So you'll read a, a, a lament and you'll see the anguish. You'll feel the pain. You'll see it in this one. But there's always a turn, a turn to trust, a turn to hope. It's like there's these dark clouds and then the light breaks through. In his book, Deep, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Mark uh, Vrogob says, Lament invites us to grieve and trust, to struggle and believe. It is the song you sing, believing that God will one day answer and restore. Lament invites us to pray through our struggle with a life that is far from perfect. You know, lament is, is deeply, deeply biblical. It's an expression that helps us learn to, to let go and to trust God in the midst of a trial. You know, when those dark thunderclouds roll into our life to trust that one day, the, one day soon the light is going to break through and God has you. you know, Psalm 56 can lead us from pain to promise, from trial to trust. So let's look at, let's look at our psalm t- together here. I want us to first look at the circumstances that David finds himself in. We're not sure exactly what the circumstances are that, that David is writing this. The, the, the uh, subscript mentions David being seized in the city of Gath. Now again, Gath is, the, is the, uh, the place where Goliath lived. And now remember what David did to Goliath? Took him out with a slingshot. Cut his head off. So David walking into the city of their prized warrior was probably not the... He wasn't... They didn't roll out the red carpet for him. <laughs> you also notice the, uh, that the, not only is it Gath, but this, you know, there's, Gath is actually mentioned a couple of times in the Bible, two times. You can see it in 1 Samuel verse, uh, or chapter 21. He makes his way to Gath. His men are hungry, and he goes into the, into the place there, and they, they offer him holy bread. Now, again, we don't know if they seized him, what exactly is going on here. We, we don't have those details, but it's, it's obvious that David is, is struggling. David says that his enemies are trampling upon him. They're oppressing him, attacking him, slandering him, seeking evil against him. They're, they're lurking and waiting to pounce upon him. They want to bring him down and destroy him. As you look at this psalm, you, in fact, as you look, you, you'll, you'll see a couple of verses and then you'll see a break. Uh, oftentimes those breaks are, are different stanzas or different verses or, uh, of, the, of the song itself. You also notice some, some key repetition. If you look there, verses 3 and 4 is repeated down in verses 10 and 11. 
And I think what our psalmist, I think what David is doing, he's, he basically has two stanzas. He has one stanza and he ends with that phrase. Then he has another stanza and he ends with that, with that same phrase. And he begins each of those stanzas talking about his circumstance, how awful it is. And David, so David is being attacked. He's being trampled upon. He's, his enemies are coming against him. And it's not just in an occasional attack. Do you notice three times this phrase, all day long? All day long. He never gets a break. There in verses 1, 2, and 5. He's under constant pressure and assault. Now maybe, maybe you're not running for your life from villains that are out to take you out. But your circumstances may feel like there's an enemy attacking. Attacking you with a constant beratement. Enemies come in different forms. Sometimes they're, they're people. Maybe your enemy is another person. Maybe a, a bully at school. I had one of those in my choir. I was in choir. And I had a guy there. Just He was just a bully. Uh, I was a freshman. This guy was a senior. And he, there were two freshmen, me and another guy in the choir. And man, they, they just picked on us. And he had, a, he had a ring, a class ring. And he would turn it over. Just pop me all the time. Man, I, there were times I just, I, mean, I hated going to choir. I knew I'd have to face that guy, bully. Maybe it's, maybe you have an inconsiderate boss. Maybe you have a, a, a neighbor that's just unkind, maybe even cruel, gossiping or slandering former friend. Maybe your enemy's not a person, but maybe it is a circumstance, uh, a crushing, crushing finances, a recent divorce, a broken marriage, or a marriage that's barely hanging on, maybe career pressure, an addiction that just you can't, you can't lick, a health situation. There's many of you here in our church today fighting, battling some very significant health crisis right now. It feels like you're just relenting, relenting. But maybe you're also, maybe you're one who's fighting an enemy from within. And sometimes these, that enemy is the worst enemy. Because wherever you go, that enemy's right there with you. Some of you may be struggling with depression, maybe deep unhappiness. Maybe you're experiencing feelings of emptiness, loneliness. Some of you are struggling with judgmentalism. You feel like those around you are just not measuring up to your standards. And so they're just, it's a constant drip. Some of you are struggling with, with anxiety and fear, and worry, keeps you up at night, like David. Trials like these, they're not uncommon. They're going to come into our lives. If you're going through a trial right now, a struggle right now, welcome to the club. We're glad you're here. You're among friends. I can guarantee it. You know, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. You know, when we face these kinds of things, we shouldn't be like, oh my goodness, why me? Why not me? The 
circumstances. We're either going into a trial, we're in a trial, or we're coming out of a trial. That's usually how it is. And that's the circumstance that David finds himself in. But how does God respond? What is God's response when we're in the midst of a, of a difficulty, a struggle, a trial? Does he even care? Well, friends, God is compassionately present with us in our pain, in our sorrow, and in our difficulty. And I want us to look again at verse, at verse 8. Beautiful verse. It says, you've kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Now, God is not... When, you know, when we weep, he's not literally coming and g- gathering them. But it's just, this is showing us how concerned, how present, how, how deeply empathetic and sympathetic and loving God is. All of these anxious moments at night when you, when you can't turn your brain off because of fear and worry and stress or something else. God is right there with you. And he's kept count of every toss and turn. In those moments of grief and tension and despair, depression, when the tears flow freely and joy is fleeting, God takes notice. He loves you so much that He counts those tears and collects them. He knows every one of them. And it's all recorded in his personal journal. He keeps count of it. He knows you. He knows the pain. He knows the suffering. And at the same time, he cares for you and loves you deeply. I like the the end of verse 9. It says, this I know. David is, the light's breaking through those clouds. It says, this I know that God is for me. Friends, God is on your side. You're not alone. The creator, think about this, the creator of the universe loves you and is with you. Romans 8.31 says it this way. Paul's writing, he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 118, very familiar language to our psalm. Verse 6 and 7 says, The Lord is on my side. He's right there. He's on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Friend, if God is on your side, the enemy cannot prevail. Whatever that circumstance, it will not overwhelm you. Now, of course, our enemies, they can hurt us. They can even take our lives. I mean, we, you just turn on the news. You see it. We're not immune to, to these things. But even if our enemy takes our own life, we win. <laughs> we win. Because Jesus has conquered death. For followers of Christ, to leave this world is to instantly be in the very presence of God where there is no pain, no suffering, There is just endless joy, perfect joy, perfect freedom, perfect life in Him. So what can can flesh or what can man do to us? 
the psalmist asks. It's a rhetorical question. And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Because God is for us. He is with us. Here's where I really want us to camp out. I want want us to take hold of this. Our response, the circumstance, God's response. He doesn't leave us. He's with us. But how do we respond in the midst of this? Look back again with me at the conclusion of of each of those sections. Verse 3 and 4 says, When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Then jump down to verse 10. You see these words again. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? See, in verse 3, David says that when he's gripped by fear, what does he do? What's his response? He trusts in God. Then in verse 11, we see the result of his trust in God. It says, in trusting God, I will not be afraid. So here it is. Like, I have fear. I'm afraid, worry, anxiety. My enemies are coming. This battle, this struggle is is hard. I'm overwhelmed and I'm fearful. But the turn, God, I'm going to trust you. Then it flips. In trusting you, oh God, as I trust you, I will not fear. It starts off with fear, then you trust, and then as you trust, fear is erased. You know, when the circumstance is overwhelming, when the trial has no end in sight, when the anxiety, the fear is, is paralyzing, Our response is to trust in God. Pull your car over to the shoulder and get out and let Jesus take the wheel, right? Quit trying to fix it. Quit trying to control the situation. Quit worrying. Stop running. Stop hiding. Trust in the Lord. And you think, man, that's, that sounds good, but how in the world do you do that? How do you trust? What does it mean to trust in the Lord, to pull over and say, all right, Jesus, take the wheel? What does that mean for me? How do I do that? Well, our, our psalmist says it. The first thing is that we praise His Word. We praise His Word. Two times David says that, in God whose word I praise. This is God's word, and I'm going to praise. I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to sing it and shout it. His word. Another time David says, in the Lord whose word I praise. Verse, the end of verse 10. That word Lord is the word Yahweh, or that, that, that name for God that speaks of that Covenant, promise-keeping, loyal, faithful, loving God. God, Elohim, the creator, and then Lord, the one who knows me and loves me, promises. See, it's because of God's word that we're even able to know both who God is and what his sure and faithful promises are. 
You think about David, he's writing this and he says, oh, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. It might be that he's remembering the time years back, years back when, when he was a young boy and his father had brought his sons up. Samuel had come into town and God had said, hey, I, I, wanna, I want you to go and anoint the next king of Israel. And Jesse brings all of his sons, and Samuel looks at them. No, no, not this one, not this one, not this one. Hey, there's none of these. Do you have another son? Oh, yeah, we got this my little shepherd boy. He's, he's out in the field. Go get him. And David comes, and Samuel says yes. And he anoints him with oil, pronounces that God had chosen him to be the next king. And now he's on the run and his enemies are out to kill him. And he's remembering the promise that God had made. You're the next king. What can man do? Oh, it feel, the pressures are hard. The difficulties are overwhelming. But I trust in God's word. I will praise God's word. You know, in the trials, the difficulties of life, to trust in God is to spend time in his word. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't just skip it. You, know, you, you can't just have it there on the table. You've got to pick it up and, and, and read it. To, to praise it, you've got to take it in. You don't have to carve out necessarily an hour every day. That's, you know, for some, you can do that. For others, I just say, man, just start wherever you are. You read a, an easy thing to do is to start reading a, maybe a psalm a day. Today we're looking at Psalm 56. Sometime tomorrow you could read Psalm 57. Then the day after that, Psalm 58. Just keep making your way through. Just read it. Just read His Word. And then maybe as you do, as you read, just think, hey, is there, is there a promise in here that I can, that I can claim? Is there a, a command in this, in this passage that I need to, to obey? Is there... Is there something, is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there, is there a truth that I need to believe and trust? Is there something about God that I can cling to? Just as you read, just look for some things. Don't, sometimes we make it more difficult than it is. Praise His Word. Just get into it and let it bathe over your life and soul. Trust in God by praising His Word. You know, a second way to trust in God is to, is to thank Him. David says there in verse, in verse 12, which I think is part of the, kind of the concluding aspect of this psalm, verse 12, that he says, I will perform my vows to God and give thank offerings to Him. These are acts of, of worship. They would go and they would make sacrifices. They would give thank offerings we don't do that. We don't bring our animals and sacrifice them. We don't do that anymore. But we do come and we gather together and offer thanks and praise and worship Him. Remember the Psalms, as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're written both for individual and, and corporate worship. You know, in times of trial, we need to give thanks, both individually and in, in our corporate gathering for worship. Gratitude and thanksgiving, they, they have a, a way of, of uh, muting the voices of, of despair and discouragement. 
just to give thanks. A while back, I was speaking with some, someone who's in the midst of some cancer treatments. And when I asked her how she was doing, she said, I'm thankful. Overall, I'm doing well, and I'm thankful. She said, I'm thankful for the immense support of my family and friends. I'm thankful for my church. And I'm actually thankful to God. Because through this, I'm, I'm getting to know him in a way that I never have before. So in the midst of the trial, thanking God. Think for a moment right now. Just want you to just think, what is, what's one thing that right now you're thankful for? A relationship, a person, your church. What is it? What is it you're thankful for right now? And maybe even just... We won't have to, I won't ask you to do it out loud, but just, just in your heart, God, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids, my grandkids. God, thank you for my, my family. Those of you who are in good health, thank you for the health that I'm experiencing right now. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for the job that pays the bills. Thank you for the home, the blessings, all the... Friends, we, are, we have much to be thankful for. Take some time. When we gather together for worship and we sing, it's a time to give thanks to God because he is good. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. That's something to be thankful for. You know, at the conclusion of our service, we're going to sing a, a song called Worthy is the Lamb. It's a song of thanksgiving and praise. It's, it begins just crying out thanks for what Jesus has done for us. And then it moves into this anthem of praise. Worthy is the Lamb. We praise Him for what He's done. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Even if you think you can't carry a tune in a bucket, I want you to sing this thanks song. Sing it from your guts. <laughs> Sing it out loud. Let's give thanks to God. This is a way for, this is how we trust in God. No matter what we're going through, we gather together and in the trial, like my friend, you give thanks and maybe even thank him for the trial. There's a third way to trust God mentioned in our text. In verse 13, David he remembers how God delivered his soul from death and enabled him to walk before God. As the scripture says, that last line, in the light of life. So he rescued him from death, kept him from stumbling and lifted him up and, and, and set him on his way, got him out of the darkness and now he's, he's standing in the light and can walk with God. You know, all of us were on a descent to spiritual death because of sin, just like David describes here. But in love, God stepped in to free us and to lift us out of that hopelessness. When we confess our sins, when we turn from sin, just like Violet shared, God is faithful and 
good and just to forgive us our sins, to wipe the slate completely clean. And he brings us into a life. Doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't, don't experience trials anymore. But now we have him. We, we can lament. We can cry out to God and at the same time have hope. We can have sorrow and have trust. He delivers our soul from death. And he brings us into the light of life where we walk before God in full trust and faith. Friends, if you haven't done that, today would be a great day to give your life to him. Turn and trust in him. If you're already a follower of Christ, friend, trust is emboldened when you remember, when you think upon, when you meditate upon, when, when we gather in a minute, when you see baptism and you're reminded of what that miracle that took place in your own life, when you were buried, that old self buried to never, never come back, and you are raised up a new person, a new creation, new life in Christ. Remember what God has done in you and give Him thanks. Praise Him. Trust is emboldened when we remember God's saving and rescuing, freeing, delivering, life-giving work in our lives. So friends, trust Him by praising His Word, by giving thanks to God and remembering His saving work. Today is the day. Friends, today is the day to let go and to trust God. Today. Whatever the circumstance, don't try to do it on your own. You either make a mess of it or it'll just overwhelm you. Like Ryan said, it's above our pay grade. <laughs> we have trials. God allows trials in our, in our lives so that we might learn to trust Him and praise Him and rest in His Word. Today is the day to let go and to trust Him, to let Jesus take the wheel and to sing along with David. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. Pray with me. Well, as I, as we kind of come to a close here, I just, I, I just think of the, the man Job in the Bible, the guy who lost everything. And yet in the midst of his sorrow and lament, he cries out, though they slay me, yet will I praise you. God, we all have, we all have enemies. Enemies from without, enemies from within. And oh God, would you rescue us? Would you save us? They, they're out to trample us. They're out to, God, even when we're down, it feels like we're being kicked upon. And it's relenting all day long. God, and I know in, in this very room, maybe some listening online, the, the trials are just overwhelming. 
the tossing and turning at night, the tears that fall. But God, we praise you that you are there in the midst. You are by our side. What can man do to us? What can the trial do to us? You love us in such depth. God, you count our tossings. You, you collect every tear that's shed in your, in your bottle. You have a journal that has our name and you know everything about us. You are for us. Oh God, who can be against us? And even if death overtake us, you win because we're with you. So God, teach us, help us, give us the grace, empower us to trust you, to turn to your word like, it's, like our lives depended upon it, to, to, to eat of it, to drink of it, to, to read it. It's, it's our, your letter to us of encouragement. Then to give thanks even in the midst of a storm, to thank you for the trial, to thank you for the blessings that you pour upon us. And then ultimately, God, to remember one of the most incredible things that you gave your son that we might have life and have it to the full. Thank you, God, for bringing us out of the dark clouds of sin, out of the darkness and setting our feet on a rock that we may walk in the light with you. So give us, give us trust this day as we face the trials. And may our hearts rejoice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.